I like this one. This one makes you feel good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> studio <laughs> audience here today. <laughs> Not my best joke, but <laughs> that's more accurate. That one's got to stay. Yeah. Well, you know, since crowds are such a thing of the past, we'll never have a crowd again. So. This is what like real friends are like. Yep. <laughs> Welcome back to Obscure Broadcasting's podcast, Small Brains, Big Picks. I'm Andrew Alden. And I'm Evan. And uh, we're joined today uh, by... My coworker, colleague, friend, uh, someone who's a product of New Orleans and, and later Virginia, um, who's a lover of music and sports like us, um, and is definitely kind of a, a peer mentor of mine as an educator. And so we're, we're really happy to have you on, Calvin. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah, man, let's have, have a good time. Very blessed to be here. Beautiful. Um, so before we do anything else, uh, Calvin, on our podcast, we're not going to do one today, but we often uh, retire people or elect people into our personal Hall of Fame. So we have a Small Brains Big Picks Hall of Fame where we don't necessarily elect the best players, but elect people that we love or one time we, we, a, a cat. Yeah, yeah. There was a cat that one time. We elected a cat to the Hall of Fame. Uh, not like, yeah, like a little an animal. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> But in general, just like athletes mostly uh, who meant a lot to us growing up or who mean a lot to us right now for whatever reason. Yeah. So to kick us off, we just want you to add someone to the Hall of Fame. So if, if you had to elect any, could be an athlete, doesn't have to be an athlete, who's just meant a lot to you in your life, uh, who are you going to put up in the rafters for us? Oh, man. Got to be Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, definitely in the Hall of Fame. Why is that? Uh, I say that, yeah, Dwayne Wade, because he was the first out of the LeBron, Carmelo, you know, that big old draft class that came out in the 03, I think. He was the first to win the ring. Um, and people were like, okay, whatever, you know, and it, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. But yeah, Dwayne Wade, man. Dwayne Wade definitely is a, yeah. he's amazing. And he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> very balanced. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's. I feel like as much love as Dwayne Wade gets, which is a lot, he's somehow still, in some ways, underrated and underappreciated. Underrated. Um, like people forget that he is among the best of the best. Cleveland Cavalier is good. Yeah, not great, but yeah. good. Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, remember best remembered for his stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Dwayne Wade, welcome to the the Small Brains Big Picks Hall of Fame. Uh, cool, Andrew. You want to take the second one? Um, no, I can take him. Yeah, I can you, take him. You, I got him written down. Um, so, Calvin, you also have your own podcast, the Teach Simple Podcast. Tell tell me a little bit about that. What are y'all talking about? Uh, what's what's the deal with with uh, Teach Simple? Yeah, so the Teach Simple Podcast is a teaching podcast that focuses on providing simple solutions um, in the classroom and for educators. Um, and the key word is just simple. You know, I think a lot of things that we do not only just education, but just in policy, politics, and there's a lot of systems. We just over, overdo things. We overcomplicate things. 
And it's really based off of the quote, uh, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Um, and I have a background in physics, and a lot of my studying was around just um, trying to understand how to take complex things and simplify them. And Einstein said that if you can break something down in its most simplest form, then that really means that you, you know, you got it. You really understand it. And I really think if you break things down in the most simplest form of teaching, you can really, really provide um, feasible solutions that solve real problems. That's what we talk about. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a fan, a listener, uh, and following this, uh, I'll definitely make sure Thank to put, put Andrew on, and uh, our massive uh, millions of viewers will also now be put on to uh, the Teach Simple podcast as well. Yes, our millions, Absolutely. millions and millions of followers. Yeah. Maybe we should be a guest on his podcast. He probably has a bigger audience. <laughs> right, right. Um, Come through. I got a whole new setup. No doubt. Right. Um, all right, so the last one, changing gears. Uh, so you, I know Calvin, lived through uh, Hurricane Katrina some years ago as a New Orleans resident, um, and there's hopefully not on the same scale uh, of what happened during Hurricane Katrina, but there is a hurricane sweeping through uh, Louisiana this past week, uh, Hurricane Laura, yeah. that has left a lot of people displaced. As someone with that yeah. experience, that life experience, what would you say to people who are displaced uh, from that hurricane and struggling right now? Find peace in the uncertainty. You know, um, when I was 13 years old dealing with Hurricane Katrina and I was there uh, seeing the the wind literally going 150 miles per hour in all directions. So you can imagine what that looks like. You know, they said that it was so fast that it put like a straw. Um, and that it could be, you know, advances sword. Have find peace and uncertainty. Like I pray literally every single day, um, and just through that prayer, and just having faith, you know, that everything was going to be okay. You know, it worked out even as a 13 year old. But the key thing is, when people are in distress situations, they are faced with the decision to go into their animalistic ego or their you know higher level ego. And during those times is the most is just most is really needed for you to be at your ultimate like highest uh just consciousness so just your ability to be patient you know like fasting patience like in those situations i would really just you know suggest you just find peace and uncertainty pray you know and make good moral decisions you know not decisions that are desperate and reckless well said. I mean, I, I'm sure that's uh, easier said than done, but uh, it's definitely powerful advice and hopefully some and advice. Can I give you an example? Oh, go ahead. Go can ahead. I? You know, yeah, yeah, by all means. So about a couple of days after Katrina happened, literally, you know, I stayed on the suburb side where the levee didn't break. Therefore, the water instantly went down, where in other parts, the water kept rising because the levee broke. And so... We were able to walk on land, and so I was with one of my neighbors, and we just went to the corner store to try to get some food. Um, and I guarantee you not, people were looting. People were breaking in, kids, adults, mayhem, just looting, right? And literally, like, the, the adult that I had with me, he had the decision to either join in this or not, right? Even though we were hungry, even though we were desperate for food, probably in the same situation with them. We chose not to do that, you know, and so it's just like that, having that discipline, you know, that type of mindset is definitely needed in those types of times. For sure. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that, Calvin. Um, 
Yeah. Well, so we we are going to mainly focus today on talking about the NBA strike. Um, but there was kind of, at least for those of us not in the know, um, a really unexpected tragedy uh, a few days ago. And Andrew, you want to speak on that really quickly and we'll just kind of sh- can share our thoughts. Yeah, so Chadrick Bozeman died uh, for age 43 of colon cancer. He had kept it very private uh, and nobody really knew that he was sick. Uh, and it was uh, it was a kind of a personal one for a lot of people. I mean, we don't know celebrities, but certain celebrities kind of cross over and really affect us personally. For me, like Anthony Bourdain was one that was really hard for me. And this one has also been uh, equally as hard. And I uh, just want to get your thoughts or both your thoughts on Chadwick Bozeman's passing. Man, it's, it's sad because this is like the fifth person that died, you know? Nipsey was just recent. I don't think this is a funny, but of Kobe, Juice World. I've had this feeling literally like four, four times already. And then when it happened, I just kind of had the same feeling when Kobe Bryant happened. I just got it on my phone and I'm just like so pissed because I have this this feeling of emotion. I just got it directly from my phone to a message. I'm just like, I should not be feeling this. Like, I should not be getting this like this. Like, he should be way more respectful to just my feelings. So that's not how the world works. And I just instantly, you know, just thank God that, you know, I was, you know, just blessed to have what I have, you know, because you may never know, you know. Like I said, find peace in the uncertainty and live every day like it's your last, you know. Travis Bozeman, he was an eclectic actor. He was multidimensional. He was a true definition of a Renaissance man. And he will be a legend in, for uh, the future kids to come, not only just black kids, but all kids to say that we had a real black Panther. You know, we had a real Renaissance man, and his name was Chadwick Bozeman, and he's going to be the exemplar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I really think that, that the example that he, he led through his work, but also through, um, you know, just people have been posting a lot of different interviews and, and clips of him talking outside of his movies recently. Um, and one that I saw, uh, I think this morning, um, he said, was was asked about like why he ended up turning down a lot of more stereotypical roles and ended, and yeah. really has this collection of roles that like you can't, he didn't have no bad roles that I know of. Um, and he said, like the first question you have to ask is like, first, who are you? Um, and quoting him, he said, if I become something I'm not supposed to become, then I'm in the wrong place, whether I made it in other people's eyes or not. Um, and just that idea of like he knew who he was and the types of values he wanted to espouse. And he spoke a lot about uh, the long path um, that is often more difficult, but is ultimately more rewarding um, in staying true to yourself. Um, and I think that speaks to even what you were just saying of like, finding value in that uncertainty and finding and centering yourself on like the things that matter to you. Um, and rather than the, rather than putting a star on a map of this is my goal saying, these are the values that matter to me and I'm going to work hard and and follow my path wherever it takes me staying within these values. I think he's like an incredible Testament to that. Um, and man, a rare, just a rarity like that dude didn't have any bad roles that I know of. Like he didn't have any like <laughs> joke, dumb or like stereotypical roles. He he really embodied some giants of history. And I'm sure there'll be a biopic made about him someday um, with someone being able yeah, to have the chance you. to play Jad- Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so we kind of changing gears. Andrew, you want to kind of intro this this next yeah, uh, so, topic? So for our main subject, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the NBA strike that happened last week and, and the, the how it rippled out to all sports and, and really, uh, I think, has maybe changed a mindset about about the way that athletes, we always talk about on this podcast about how athletes are supposed to, are they supposed to be activists or not, or what's their role in social issues? And I think that the that that question was laid to rest uh, last week with the NBA strike striking uh, because uh, set in motion by uh, Jacob Blake's uh, unjust shooting uh, by police officers in the back. Um, it started kind of with the Milwaukee Bucks, and but quickly spread to the rest of the NBA, and then spread to the other sports like baseball, hockey, uh, and the WNBA. Yeah, I mean, and we spoke on it. We hopped on the phone really quickly and spoke on it uh, the night that it kind of uh, materialized. But then, forty-eight hours later, uh, the strike was over. Um, there are some things that have changed, which uh, uh, we can speak on. Um, but it's ended, and as we speak, basketball is happening again. Um, so I guess kind of now with a little bit, not a lot of time, but a little bit of the benefit of hindsight, what are your thoughts around that, Kevin? I mean, just a, they're just a beautiful exercise of power. You know, I think LeBron James, um, when he decided to, you know, go to Miami, he really showed the, like, the power of human capital that NBA players have. And then from there, it just catalyzed so many different things from KD moving, you know, so recognizing that, you know, NBA players have the power to not only change change team dynamics and the sport dynamic, they can also change the cultural dynamic. And it just, you know, shows how organized they were. You know, not only that, it went through, you know, the NBA, but also WNBA and other sports. And it's just, a, it's just, it's just like, a, it's like a little gut shot, letting them know, like, yeah, you know, we're really serious about this, you know, and if this continues, you know, we're going to continue to keep exercising our power. Um, but I think there's more to come, and I'm just excited, you know, because everyone's a solidarity. You can't stop something that, you know, everyone, you know, wants to sing. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree that it, I agree that it was tremendously powerful. I was like, I was really, I thought it was one of the most perhaps one of the most important moments in the history of American sports at the moment that it happened. Um, I'd be lying to you if I told you I thought I would be seeing live basketball again 48 hours later. And and I think, and that wasn't uh, them submitting to pressure, I don't believe. It was after discussions of like what, where to take this strike, it seems the players came together and made this unified decision um, seemingly not under necessarily pressure but uh that they felt it was the right move i i do got to say though um we can I, I need to examine a little bit more the initiatives that the league did commit to so they did get a couple of victories out of this but uh i don't know i i i'd hate to use the word disappointed because i was so proud to be a sports fan and an nba fan in that yeah. moment and like so proud of these athletes using their voices so to say disappointed would be like I think disrespectful to the sacrifices that they did make, even by having a forty-eight hour strike. But I, I honestly expected it to go longer. I expected it to like stretch this, lose more people, money, uh, like you know, uh, really push for maybe more substantive change. But I also don't know what that even would have looked like. Like, 
a, a 30, 40 day NBA strike wouldn't have ended police brutality. It wouldn't have ended voter suppression. <laughs> so like, I don't know right. what I expected, but it was a little bit jarring for me to wake up and see, Oh no, there will be NBA games played tomorrow. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just not sure where I'm sitting with it right now. I mean, I think you're think how you're analyzing it is good, though. You know, as you're saying, like, you know, I still appreciate it, though. You know, but yeah. I feel the same way too. You know, I thought it was gonna be a little bit longer too. Yeah, I thought. I thought. I think in a way, it was. It was so short, and in a season that they lost. How many how many months was were they not playing due to COVID? Yeah. It feels like oh there could have been, it felt like a almost like a half measure. You know what I mean? In the sense that it felt yeah. like uh, it wasn't a big enough um, a big enough gesture. I thought I thought I too thought they would be out forever or for a long time. I thought maybe like if they cancel their own playoffs, they cancel the NBA playoffs or something to that effect. I mean, that's a really powerful statement. And, I mean, some baseball teams have nothing to lose. Like, yeah. You know, some baseball teams might as well so, throw in the towel now, like so the Red it's, Sox. It's worth reviewing what the what came out of this. Um, so I'll just say the three initiatives yeah. that at least have been listed on things that I read. Um, the beginnings of a social justice uh, coalition with the NBA. Um, I don't know a ton of background behind what that is, but I know it has, involves uh, league representatives, players, coaches, and even ownership and upper management. Um, working on social justice issues and really uh, putting their money and their time where their mouth is um, in, a, in a different way, I guess. Um, it's also all NBA teams wor- working to com- make all NBA teams commit to using their arenas as voting centers for this year's election. And then finally, uh, some guaranteed advertisement spots on the rest of the playoff games for uh, advertisements about civic engagement, the power of voting and things like that. So to me, it seems like they really put, you know, you, I think you, we've talked about before on this podcast, you have to choose an issue um, or two. You can only run a couple of marathons in life in terms of activism. And it seems like they're putting all their, all their coins in the, in the voting rights basket. Um, so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe these will be incredibly impactful, but uh, with that, given that background, this coalition, voting in arenas and uh, advertisement being used for it. Like, is this lip service or are these real substantive changes that they got out of this uh, 48-hour strike? Yeah, uh, so I believe you're saying that, you know, is this really, you know, genuine or is it just lip service? And I would say that's probably both, you know, but the power is in on how much we push them, you know, and how genuine the the people who are serving us are really about this, you know? So I, I was a little bit disappointed that the, you know, the, um, excuse me, that the, uh, the protest ended so early, but I am excited that they're really trying to have voter suppression, which is a really big issue right now because they're not trying to provide funding um, for uh, the uh, mailing services, you know? So if that helped get Trump out, this was all worth it, you know? So, <laughs> We need both, you know, mm-hmm. but is it enough? Hell no, you know, but we need both. And so we, it's, it's all about interest convergence. It's about being strategic and winning the battle, you know, and then preparing for the pre, the, 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 uh, the future battle. Because even when Biden gets in, we still have to push him. Right. And so, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate both gestures. I mean, I appreciate all gestures, but I'm still being critical of everything. Yeah. The, um, 
the Dodgers also a couple weeks ago uh, announced that they were going to have Dodger Stadium, which uh, be Dodger Stadium and the complex, so like the parking lots and everything, be a voting site. But that was before the protest too. So mm. I think that it's a good step. I think there's a lot more that can be done. And if the NBA uses their deep, deep resources or more realistically – also, college sports uses their infinite tax-free resources to uh, to help with anything they can. I think it's a it's a good step, and, and all sports should be helping facilitate the communities that they impact. Because if you put up a uh, a stadium in any sort of neighborhood or any sort of area, it changes the landscape of that area forever. And right. even after long after the team has moved to a brand new stadium in a different part of town, or they've or whatever, it changes the the whole. Sp- Base. So I think it's important that that sport teams think about the community that they impact just by their footprint. Yeah. And I mean, not to get far afield from this, but if, when we think about the history of Dodger Stadium in and of itself, Dodger Stadium was constructed um, with the forced relocation of an entire community of, of low income, largely Latino folks that was known as Chavez Ravine at the time. Um, who were mm-hmm. compensated and given new sp- spaces to live, but were told by the government that they were had to leave their homes to be demolished and build Dodger Stadium. So when we look at the the legacy, um, I you know I think coming moving forward in in understanding that and using hopefully Dodger Stadium as a as a source of good in electoral politics, it can have an impact. Um, so I, I, I do see the value in that. Um, and I also, I think you began to speak to this when we think about like, so let's think like, what's the maximum that the, this strike could have done, right? Like what are our, our most wild imaginations? I think a lot of people were pressuring for like this idea of, of, uh, justice within the, the criminal justice system of, all right, the NBA players need to push for, uh, the murder of the attempted murder of Jacob Blake, the murderers of Breonna Taylor to be arrested. Um, but I, in thinking and then reading an article, uh, they spoke about like that if pl- NBA players are really think about where they have their greatest impact, like everyone loves LeBron James um, and his voice yeah. matters across the country, but his voice matters acutely and especially in the city that he plays in. Now, for him, Cleveland, his voice matters a lot too, Miami as well. But, like, if the Boston Celtics players stand behind something, I, it may be best that they stand behind local issues because where do you have a greater impact than within your local community? And a lot of these criminal justice and voter suppression issues are ultimately ones that need to be addressed at a local level where only so much can be done federally. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's interesting though, though, uh, Ron Renneke, the manager for the Red Sox said something really interesting today, today being okay. the, the trade deadline for the baseball season, but I think it applies to all sports is teams don't stay together like they used to. So players are, are, are national symbols. The best players are national symbols, not local heroes. Mm. They're not, you know, they're not, uh, Bill Russell or Ted Williams or, you know, even you go back even just a little shorter. They're not like. Daryl Strawberry. I mean, they're not like local heroes as much as they are now global and international and national heroes. Or even Kobe, who played with the same team his whole career. Like, you know. Was it was a national hero, not yeah. necessarily just a yeah. LA hero. Interesting. Yeah. Uh I I think one 
one thing kind of to drive this home and then uh, we can if anyone else wants to to share another kind of closing thought on this um doc rivers said i saw this quote uh he said that uh it's not the nba's job to solve the world it's the nba's job to be a part of the world um and so as much as we want more and bigger and better change i guess the question that i'm i'm thinking about a little bit is is the world better off 48 hours after the NBA strike than they were 48 hours before the NBA strike. And my suspicion is yes, that some positive change was made. And so could it have been bigger, better, more substantive? Maybe. Probably. But the strike ultimately has, it seems, caused uh, legitimate positive change. And and for that, there's no reason for us to to speak negatively about it. The fight continues, you know, so we have to keep pushing people until the fight is over. So just because we want to battle, that doesn't mean that we, you know, we just stop fighting and, you know, for other battles. Um, Again, you know, the NBA obviously seems like a a better ally than the NFL right now. You know, (laughs) it just seems like that. And I'm not saying like the NFL is not, because they have tried to speak, speak on things, you know, but if there was a contest and someone was going to ask you which uh, sports uh, national team or network is the most you know committed to social justice, people probably going to say the NBA. And so, with that being said, with that power, with the leverage that the NBA players may have more than NFL players may have, they have to use it as much as they can. And um, we have to wait and see, you know, if this stuff is bullshit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And if it is bullshit, then we have to make sure that we are still there holding those people accountable that we put in place, you know? And so it's a, it's about, it's about us changing systems so we can have more political power, but it's also about the people making sure that we are exercising our political rights and using our political power to gain power. Yeah. Um, this was a kind of a big theme of our, our podcast last week. Um, that we uh, released uh, with our friend Matt Tonakawa, but talking a lot about, um, and I think you're really bringing this point home, if you care about something, you need to be a critique of it. You give people their flowers and you give people their love when they do things and they deserve it, but uh, not just Trump are we going to critique, but those things that we care about and that we love, we will continue to critique the NBA because we love it and we want them to do better and we need to hold them accountable um, like you said, it's just a battle and, and the fight continues. So holding even those things we account, uh, we love accountable just as much as those things that we outwardly, uh, are antagonistic towards. Um, any final right. thoughts, Andrew? Um, I think that, uh, I think that if we can, if this has started something, I think we're, we're, we're we can talk about the negative because of like, we were hoping for a lot, but if we think about it on a, on a scale that, like I was saying at the beginning is, this is now sports, specifically the NBA, but also other sports. Almost every single baseball team also had a strike on a different day and, and did it in varying uh, degrees of impact. But I think that this is like a moment in sports history that, that at least in this time, everyone now is forced to support activism. And they can't no longer be silent 
entertainers, they have to take a stand. Yeah, get on the bus or, or get the fuck out of here. It's kind of like people got to either verbally be on the bus or get the fuck out. Right. Exactly. Uh, cool. Well, Calvin, deeply appreciate you taking some time to be on yeah. here. Um, always yeah. a pleasure. Always wisdom. Um, and you know, as you yeah. said, uh, patience uh, in times of uncertainty. And and hopefully we can take that lesson and continue fighting this battle. Keep pushing forward in our spheres of influence and those areas that we care about. Right. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. You know, I just love to. You know, always. It's always good to hear people are talking about stuff that matters, you know, I and mean, I really appreciate you all for the opportunity, and um, hopefully we can have you on a two separate podcast. No doubt, no doubt. You know I'm, all, I'm there anytime. For sure, for sure. All right, man, be good. All right, y'all, thank you so much for the opportunity. You all have a great day. Take care. So big thank you for uh, Calvin and, and the string of guests we've had come on the podcast. It's been really, really enlightening to have new like more voices and we'll continue to bring people on the podcast going forward um is he calling back yeah okay let's call it let's pick it up let's see what he has to say hello hey i don't know if i was supposed to hang up or not you're good you could you're good to hang up yeah unless you okay, want to cool. you want right. <laughs> unless you have anything else to add i mean you we're good Oh, okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, no, no, no. Again, thank you all for the opportunity, and I uh, appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, see you soon, man. See you soon. <laughs> all right, all right, y'all. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that and was that Calvin was again. Calvin again. <laughs> Yeah, Calvin is the first two-time guest on the history of the podcast. That's true. We yep. should have had him retire someone again. <laughs> should we call him back and have him retire someone? Um, but yeah, if you uh, have thoughts on this and you're in your, if you're upset that your team is speaking out, or if you're not upset, or if you think the uh, response was insufficient, um, they moved Jackie Robinson Day in baseball to be the day after a lot of the teams took their strike, which. Uh, was planned before, you know, and I thought, and so baseball donated, you know, a lot of money to the, to social justice causes. And, and, but I think baseball is the one to me of all the sports that has been like trying to give the money and then shut up about it. And I just think that can't stand. Right. And, uh, yeah. Um, on the, on the week that the guy who played Jackie Robinson's character, uh, in, in the biopic passed away, taking that lesson from him, um, about like staying centered within your values. And, and so for that reason, we'll continue talking about these things. We'll continue pushing them and, uh, we'll, uh, have another conversation next Sunday. Yep. Uh, well, this has been small brains, big picks. Uh, I'm Andrew and I am Evan and we hope that you will like us always. logo. <laughs> See ya. You are being taken away, taken to a place far away from here. Yes. Think about um, butterflies and soft sheets. This has been another mindful minute with Evan and his soft, um, and his fancy sheets. Ah, uh, wow. <laughs> fancy sheets are back. If you know, you know. <laughs> right. <Dad>. Our, only, <laughs> our only audience member must know, right? <laughs> Fancy Sheets is back. Well, couldn't have done it better.